Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25-year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell. Stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. A longtime friend who I grew up with, Greg Gottesman, is here with me today. Greg is the managing director and co-founder of Pioneer Square Labs, but he's been a major influencer in the Seattle startup community for decades. He was one of the founding partners of Madrona Venture Group and worked there for over 20 years. He's an author of three books, teacher at University of Washington, and a husband and father of three darling children. Welcome, Greg. Yay. <laughs> Yay, Greg. It's fun to do this with you, Shauna. Super fun. Old school. Um, so <laughs> We did grow up together. We We've known each other together. for... I, I, I say it's like bathtub friends, but we actually never took a bath. No. <laughs> but it's like that level. Right. Um, okay. So we're starting with some rapid fire since we're on the What Fuels You podcast. You can't say okay. this podcast, but what's your favorite podcast? Well, Acquired is my favorite podcast because it's- uh, I knew you were going to say uh, that one. <laughs> you know, Ben Gilbert and David Rosenthal are two people I absolutely adore and have had the chance to work with for, for many years now. And I think they- uh, they actually do a great podcast about uh, acquisitions, yeah. and then they rate the acquisitions, and it's become one of, if not the most popular VC podcasts. So wow. definitely check it out. I have it. I downloaded yeah. it. How do you manage your stress? I don't. <laughs> Favorite candy bar? M&M's. I love M&M's. Oh, I my know. Peanut? You should have, oh, peanut yes. or plain. They're so good. I should have brought you some. Yeah. Why Did you get you a bring... cupcake, by the way? I don't say that. Now, she, my wife's probably listening, Shannon, who Shannon knows well. So I'm not. I won't say that I got okay, a cupcake. Moving I, on. I best did. best place. This you... place is right next to Cupcake Royale. Yeah. And they have Stumptown Coffee, which yeah. is the, like basically only coffee that I really really. Yeah, that's like. why I asked you. Do you want a coffee? Yeah. Or, or and then they have those cupcakes, and so yeah, I, I did a bad thing. Yeah. Um, best place you have ever visited. Israel. Name a person you would interview if you could. Barack Obama. Proudest moment besides marrying Shannon and having your amazing kids? Probably the first steps uh, of uh, of my children and, and, and them learning to read. I mean, most of the things that really have given me satisfaction have been around family for me. I love that. Yeah. Well, that doesn't surprise me at all. But I want to yeah. get right into it because Greg and I, as he mentioned, grew up together, went to Mercer Island High School together. Yeah. But then Greg ended up going to Stanford undergrad and Harvard. So how did you decide that? Did you know from a young age that education was important to you? And who set that for you? I just always prioritized uh, school and really enjoyed that, you know, just going to school and learning things. And I've always sort of been someone that, that uh, you know, likes to dig into things. I think part of the, the fun thing about being a venture capitalist and an entrepreneur is you get to learn all these new things. That's what's so exciting. And then yeah. for me, school was that same way. It was, you know, really getting a chance to dig in and, and learn about these different topics. And so that's why I also, you know, when I, instead of just doing law school, I did law school and business school. And people are like, why did you do that? And I'm like, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, it's you have such an opportunity. A, but how did you right. choose Stanford? I mean, because obviously, if you get into a school like Stanford or Harvard, mm -hmm. you've got options. So did you mm -hmm. have your eye on that school? 
Or... I wanted to. I think for undergraduate, I also did did look at some of the East Coast schools. But I thought at that stage, I was a little bit immature for my age. If you remember me that way, didn't want to didn't want to go too far. away. <laughs> no, I liked home. being on the West Coast. I thought yeah. that was a really uh, that was one of many factors. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you, Stanford's you know, you such an incredible school, place. Like just like you don't go to school to be, you don't necessarily go to school and think I'm going to become a venture capitalist. No. So what were you thinking at that time that you wanted to be when you grew up? I thought I wanted to be a lawyer like a bunch of my uncles. And, uh, you know, my father is a doctor and I uh, was fortunate to have, uh, you know, a close sort of extended family. And I just always looked up to my uncles and mm-hmm. all of them were lawyers. Oh, your dad's side or your mom's uh, my side? My dad, dad's side and my mom's side. Actually. All lawyers. All lawyers. And so I thought that's what I would be. And I, I was... can't really picture with your generosity, <laughs> the way that you just live your life, yeah. being in a billable hours job. <laughs> I can't picture that because you give yeah. so much of your time that's mm-hmm. just not, there's no ROI necessarily that you can measure. You're just mm-hmm. like, I'm going to meet with this person or mentor that one. Yeah. And lawyers, I feel like. They bill by the hour. Yeah. What you said, I think is correct. I just didn't find it as rewarding as things yeah. that I was doing on the on the business side. Yeah. And so in preparing for this podcast, I learned about the three books, which I don't even think I realized. I knew about the blog. Mm-hmm. What are the three books? When did you write them? Mm-hmm. And oh, where... I'm so sad that you... Well, How did were... I not know about these books? Yeah. So when I was in college, I wrote uh, this book called College Survival. And oh, I... wait. I did know about that book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it was fortunate because Simon & Schuster published it and it became you know, the best-selling uh college survival guide at that time um, uh, and sold a lot of copies and really helped pay for my graduate school. That's so cool. Yeah. So that was a really great thing. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get it. Well, it's sort of, it was, it came out. Now they're like, like, where's the iPad? 1991 is when it, when it came out and then it went into several editions and, and, uh, but that was, that was fun. And And then then what are the other two? The other one that, then that had a lot of success. And so, uh, the publisher reached out and asked if I would write law school survival, or I might have it might have been a joint reach this out. This is actually coming back to me now. Yeah, and so Shannon and I, Shannon, my wife, who was in law school at the same time, we wrote that together, and, and you know, a lot of with a lot of help from friends, and uh, and we published that. And then when I came back first to Seattle. Uh, I did high school survival. So this isn't Ernest Hemingway stuff. Well, that's okay. Are you gonna write yeah. another book? I think it would be fun. If I wrote another book, it would be uh, a fiction type of book. I wish you would write a parenting book because I think you've done a great job in that category. But again, we will get back to that. Yeah. My but wife I really said, think like, maybe it's yeah. Shannon. <laughs> Shannon. Shannon's done a, a great job, but she said she would never uh, even think about doing that as like as we all have struggles being parents. And it's we you know, it's hard to hold yourself up when when, uh, you know, we're all learning yeah. on the job. Yeah. No, no, it's so true. And it's one of the hardest jobs for sure. And so I know that you've been teaching a class on entrepreneurship at UW. Mm-hmm. How long have you been doing that? Gosh, like 17, 18 years now. And you must get a ton out of that. I can see that. Yeah, being... I really love it. I mean, I love I, I love what I can hopefully contribute to the students, and then I really love what I get back from this from from teaching. And so, so you switch up the curriculum constantly, or is it like, hey, I've got these kind of pillars that I'm always teaching? Well, I I believe that entrepreneurship needs to be taught in a hands-on way. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult to teach entrepreneurship in a traditional way, like reading yeah. about entrepreneurship. I think yeah. you have to you can't do check it. The box, like, oh, no, I did that, right? And so the way the class is structured 
over the quarter. It's about two-thirds computer science. So I actually teach out of the computer science department. And uh, and then I also uh, – it's out of the computer science department and then also out of the business school. And so it's about two-thirds computer science, one-third business school with a smattering of – of design and other and design students and other students from like law and, and other areas. Cool. So after so, 17 years, you're tracking these people now. Are there any yeah. that you're like, hey, that was my student and now look at them now? Yeah, some of them. There, I have. Yeah. So there has been many students that have come back and work for companies that I've been involved with. Some have started companies. So it's been really fun. And the class basically is is over the course of the quarter. Everyone joins a team and, and builds a company, and uh, and we and and, pit, and we pitch every week. And I have entrepreneurs and investors and lawyers and and other sorts of folks come in and talk about you know building companies. But but most of the class is dedicated to to the students building a startup and That's a viable startup. Cool. And so I, if it's not working, we force them to pivot, which sometimes there's tears. It's, it's a, it's, it's really a it's fabulous real life stuff. It's real life. Trying to make it real life. High school. I know we talked about this, like <laughs> just kind of doing something like this. Like yeah. what a cool thing for, yeah. I want my kids to go to that. Yeah. Well, I think, it, I think, it, you know, I think it can work at a younger age. I think we don't give enough credit to, to high school students, even middle school students are super creative. Uh, one thing that they don't have, like the computer science students have, is the ability to build product. And so it would be more business plan or mm-hmm. more businesses that wouldn't require uh, probably as much actual product to be mm-hmm. built. Whereas I love to see in the the in the in this uh, University of Washington course, we actually need, you need to have a prototype and a demo and those sorts of things. That's but definitely cool. you could do it in in high school and, and I think it would work well. Yeah. I think you need to start that. I think <laughs> it would be great. Right before yeah. my kids. Yeah. I there. think you should start no, that, I, no, You no, could do on. it. You could do it. Um, so I know that you were at Madrona for 20 years. You're kind of, Madrona and Greg kind of go hand in hand I, for a lot of people, I think. Mm-hmm. And then uh, recently started Pioneer Square Labs. Did you <laughs> love that experience? Oh, I love that experience. Just building something because going over and seeing your office, I'm like, how cool. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this is this is yours. And you rode up on your bike, which made me extra happy. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get a little exercise in. I need cool. to do, do it more. Yeah. So I was fortunate to be a part of building Madrona in the early days as well. So we started, it was, you know, these incredible, incredible four individuals, Jerry Grinstein, Bill Ruckel's house, Tom Alberg, and Paul Goodrich. And I was fortunate to be sort of the young person that joined. And originally, it was just we were investing their money. And um, I think partly because they were making me loans, and my loan balance was getting pretty significant. And so uh, I suggested that we go and we should raise a fund. And uh, uh, you know, they were behind me 100%. And really, with at that point, Tom, Paul, and I uh, went out and uh, and raised this fund and over time, then we the, it turned into a really wonderful firm, and and just building that was really uh, meaningful and fun. I then, over the course of Madrona, had the opportunity to work at the very early stage, like before, you know, really helping to build company from, you know, from from just the idea stage. Right. I think the the most I did that a couple times, but the one that sort of was the most significant for me. Um, on a personal level, was Rover.com. Oh, yeah. I love this story. I'm happy you're talking about Rover. <laughs> well, Rover stemmed from a from a uh, experience we had with our family uh, dog, Ruby. And um, 
and we had a terrible experience at a local kennel. And so I went and pitched the idea that someone down the street would love to take, you know, our dog and would do it for less money than the kennel and that that would be a better experience for our family, better experience for uh, the sitter and, and the dog and the dog for sure. Those cold kennels, yeah. No, oh yeah, no. Ninety no, percent of people refuse to put their yeah. dog in a kennel, so, so yeah, it's not a it's not a great uh, option. Yeah, and so uh, this was I, at startup weekend, right? This was at a startup weekend. We won that startup weekend, and and then there was this wonderful young kid named Phil Kimmy who was still in college at the time, but of the ten people that were working with me on the over the startup weekend on that idea, he was the best engineer of that group. And so I said, Hey Phil, uh what are you doing this summer? And he's had he had Phil Kimmy had a proper job that summer, there would be no rover.com. That's the truth. I love and he this. said, uh he said, Oh, you know, he was doing some odd jobs. I'm like, well you want to come to Madrona, you can kind of hang out and we had a little extra space. And uh, and build a you know can, you know build more on top of this prototype, and he said sure, and so that really was the start of of Rover. And where's Phil Kimmy now? He's still at Rover. He He's never one went of the back founders? to college. He's one of the founders. He never I went back to college. His parents, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Uh, no, he, he he never went back, and he's you know a very senior person there. He's he's fan. He's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. At the same time as so, I was sort of the initial CEO, and Phil. We started hiring a couple folks, and this uh, incredible EIR was working for Madrona at the time, Aaron Easterly. Yeah. And he would stop by my office, and occasionally he would say, "Hey, you know that Rover thing," and then he started sort of helping helping us with the company. And at some point, we'd started to get some customers. And I'm like, hey, Aaron, we're going to have to figure out who should be the CEO for this thing. And he said, well, would you mind if I throw my hat in the ring? And I was like, oh, my gosh, you can have the job right now, please. And uh, Aaron's awesome. Oh, he he's the secret, you know, to he and this Brent Turner, who's a good friend. Um, Don't uh, forget Scott Porad. And Scott Porad. (laughs) And there's a a, a wonderful team. But but Aaron uh, joined the company very shortly after we sort of had kicked it off and and really uh, took it to, you know, great heights. And the company's doing extraordinarily well and yeah they were one of our first clients at fuel and we placed like eight people there that first year first i mean there were dogs everywhere dog poop everywhere it was like a crazy scene (laughs) oh one of the most fun i mean it was just a really good vibe and really easy to sell for us if somebody's a dog person they're like sign me up and people are very passionate about their dogs it's like their people are crazy passionate about and then you've you've acquired since um dog vacay vacay yeah and And we and it's grown into Uh, you know, I think the the reports were you know close to a billion dollar valuation yeah, and very significant revenues. That's and, something to be proud of. Yes, that's something to be proud of, and I think I feel most proud because it's one of those few companies that I think puts out a lot of good in the world. So, yes. I mean, you know, the, its mission is to have everyone who can, you know, have the love of a dog or the companionship of a dog to make that available to them. Mm-hmm. And I think Rover does that in a in a unique way and so um i feel like we've just that's that's a company that that has grown really fast but also is, is just doing a lot of good for yeah. a lot of people and again if you have a dog you know that especially and i have uh three i have children and you have children yeah. shauna and i will tell you at this point in my life as they're now 
teenagers. Uh, the dog is the only one that comes and greets me at the door. So they're just the most That's incredible uh, creatures and, and, and family members. No, we have a new dog named Jordy. Oh. And uh, Jordy's fantastic. We, um, so, I yes. love that. You should feel awesome about that. So I know that you invest in companies when they're just an idea, pre-seed, seed, series mm-hmm. A. What do you like most about that early stage? I like the early stage of of building companies uh, and being there when it's even before it's an idea, just talking about the original idea. So at Pioneer Square Labs, and again, just the transition from Madrona, I had started at Madrona this this idea called Madrona Labs, which still mm-hmm. exists, and had started a couple companies out of Madrona Labs. This is after Rover. Uh, in the same vein, this idea that we could come up with ideas and and spin them out. Yeah. And so started this thing, Madrona Labs. We had a lot of success with that. But I felt it was a little bit constraining just in terms of being inside of a venture firm and thought that we could uh, really I- increase our ability to spin out more companies and uh, have more folks if it, if it was sort of its own independent entity. So mm-hmm. uh, a, a spun out Pioneer Square Labs and had 14 ventures, including Madrona, but also you know in the Valley and here and a whole bunch of others. And a bunch of angels that that back that initial studio. That's my goal is to be one of your angels. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, and so we create companies and from scratch, and then companies come to us. And then we also recently, of course, raised a raised a fund. But but to your specific question about what I'm drawn to in terms of of starting these companies, I I, I really am drawn to that great entrepreneur first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And I think I think on your podcast you'll hear a lot of of people talk about what about candidates and I knew you're in this business that sort of what about them well I'm more just curious yeah. about like you know people talk about like the science and the art of mm-hmm. recruiting and venture can be recruiting it's similar oh gosh I feel you know, like I'm, I always call myself a glorified yeah, recruiter it's a recruiter it's there's not really for me a science to it a lot of it can be yeah. gut and it, a lot of it is like I'm just curious if you've got some special sauce on like you know you've talked about things like self-awareness Yes. And I love that because I agree, like somebody mm-hmm. who can know themselves and know where they're weak and their blind spots. But um, how do you get that? And you've also talked about passion. How do you get that out of somebody? Mm-hmm. Really get it? Um, yeah. Well, I, I like to when I'm interviewing someone, I one of the questions I ask, which is a sneaky way to get to self-awareness, is to ask someone, who would you put on your team Uh if you were going to be the best entrepreneur you could be. And it's interesting to hear people talk about that. Do they, are, meet... they, are they putting themselves in a position to put someone strong where they're weak and know Correct. that they're and, like... they're and they're willing to talk about it and yeah. say, hey, you know, Hey, I'm really, I'm really strong technically, but what I need help with is on some of the business side, or uh, I tend to be uh, a very good strategic thinker, but I really need help on the management side. I actually think that's a wonderful uh interview answer if someone can be crisp about not just their strengths but also their weaknesses because then you know that they understand what it's going to take to really build a company. And so self-awareness is a really great uh, and sort of nuanced trait to look for in an entrepreneur. I love that. And also I think that leads to unaccountability because if Mm -hmm. they already put it out there, then they're not trying to like fake that they're all these things that they're not because nobody can be everything. Yeah, and they're more – you know, they're open to to coaching. They're open to having other people take over certain responsibilities. Yeah. And that they're tends to make for a good leader. They're not ego-driven. They're more like, let's right. just move this right. thing. 
Um, and so what about you? I mean, how I know that you're probably extremely self-aware, but what, where, where's your blind spots? Well, I think I'm a, I'm a good recruiter. So I could, we could do some trades, uh, about things that I feel strongly about. I'm good at, at selling a vision and, uh, putting a a vision out there. That's a goddessman thing. I can't say (laughs) no to a goddessman. Yeah. My brother, Dan, who's very yeah. close with Shauna, is equally yeah. not you guys better. Are, well, than all me. of you guys are like Gloria. Yeah. I can't say no to a goddess. <laughs> Jim, yeah, Timmy, yeah, yeah. they're very good at at uh, at at making their views known. Uh, but but so I so I think uh, I think that's a strength. I where I need some help is on some of the more detail oriented things. We just hired this wonderful uh, partner named T. A. McCann. Oh yeah, and he's been really helpful to me. As an example, and also Mike Galgon, who um, they're much more methodical in their thinking and much more process oriented. And that can be, especially as the company has grown, uh, really helpful. And that's that's something I'm not very strong at. And I don't like doing the process stuff. And you know yourself. I'm this exact – you're describing me and my Derek on my team is that person. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, thank goodness we're like a real Mm – he's putting a process to things. And it does make it more efficient as a company. I also know that like for me, I like to go – I don't know if this is – being well, this is somewhat self-awareness. I like to go and be around people that um, make me happy. So we have – a lot of firms have this, but we have a a clear no jerks – policy. So we yeah. don't hire people. I that... usually hear no assholes. So no yeah. jerks is like the nicer, <laughs> that's the nicer that's way to the say That's the sweet it. version. Yes. And so uh, one of the, the first person I reached out to uh, when I was thinking about uh, Pioneer Square Labs was Jeff Entris. Yeah. Um, and he worked together with me at, at Madrona for a long time and just, and I sit by him and he is just one of the most wonderful yeah, people. Yeah, I don't know him well, but he seems lovely. Oh, he's just, he's just one of the most incredibly generous smart and uh, just fun people. And so that was really important to me to to, ha- to have Jeff on the team. Ben Gilbert was another person that I yeah, originally I told started. you I saw him at the 40 Under 40. That guy's impressive. Oh, he's so funny, yeah. self-deprecating. And he's just someone that you want to, to You want to hang around. out with him. You want to. Yeah, right. well, you he's spend just, a lot of time yeah. at work, so you yeah. might as well right. like the people that you work yeah. with. And how cool is it yeah. to have your own company and you get to choose. Yeah, and then Julie Sandler, I well, think, as you know. I mean, rock star. Right, and Love. so I always, so I hired her at Madrona and uh, always just so much enjoy working with Julie. I want to be Julie when I grow up. Yes, like, I think I all of us. I, and I remember when I was, uh, I I could show you the email when we were initially hiring at Madrona. I said, one day we will all work for Julie. Oh, yeah. Um, and, Julie uh, for president. Truly for president. Should we hire? Should start (laughs) working on that now? Yeah. So, so, so those are some things. So, in addition to really trying to fill holes, I also really wanted to establish a culture where, uh, where it just was where I'm going to spend a lot of time at work. I have this philosophy that you get to choose uh, two things out of four in your life uh, to do well, and so the four things that that there are: there's work, there's family. There's hobbies and there's friends. Mm -hmm. You get to choose or maybe two and a half. You get to choose two and a half of those things, right? And so for me, uh, I choose family and I choose work. And that's kind of what I do. And sadly, that means that friends are sort of on the back burner a little bit and hobbies are on the back burner. Yeah, but you've integrated. I feel like when I see you at events, you've kind of integrated social and business. I try to do that. Everybody feels close to you. So you've got an art form to you that – 
you know, you might be at a business event, but yeah. they're your friends. You've been in this community for 20 plus years right. building real yeah. relationships. The way so I get those friends, are friends is a lot through work, which, yeah, which that's okay. maybe, yeah, that's it's okay. brilliant. Are you kidding? You check all your boxes at once. <laughs> right. Just make Shannon come and you're like quadruple or triple threat. That's right. But she I do doesn't think, really come to this. Stuff. I think if I'm going to choose the couple of things, if I'm going to choose work as something that I'm going to really focus my time on, then I really want it to be with people that I love being around. And yeah. so that I think is another thing to just think about when you're choosing to do a startup or choosing a new job. In addition to filling holes, make sure that you're joining a team of people that you're going to really enjoy being around because satisfaction from work is much more about who than what. And so most of the time when I'm talking to people who are making a transition, very rarely is it about what they were doing. Almost never. It's almost always about they come in even and say – Even engineers? Even engineers will come in and say they didn't like uh, – The management style. The management style. Yeah. It's, it's almost always if you really dig in, it's almost always about a who – I didn't. I didn't like. I feel some like of the in non-tech roles, yes, but in tech, I feel like the the engineers. I mean, I don't do tech recruiting, but mm -hmm. obviously, we've got a big team that does, and I feel like they're much more driven by the product, the passion, the making a difference in the product. I don't know. I think that's. Um, I think everyone. Maybe they're just supposed to say that. I think everyone de defaults to that. I think almost ninety nine percent of the non engineers also say that when they come in and talk to yeah, you. Yeah, I got to dig you deeper. Really, You're when hired. You really, <laughs> when you really fuel. dig deeper, most of the time it's about it's about it comes down to people. And I think for engineers and for non engineers, if they're working around. For example, for engineers, a lot of times it's about working around other really smart engineers. Yeah, people they can learn from. Correct. And, yeah. They like, no, you're like right. if they're working, doesn't even really matter what they're working on. But if they're working on a team with really other smart engineers, they tend to be, you know, satisfied and happy. Yeah. And, and I think when that starts to disappear, that's when um, you know they're looking for satisfaction. Kind of dissatisfaction yeah. kind of sneaks in and. I don't want to get too far off topic on this. Are yeah. you consciously making an effort to um, focus on kind of equal pay and making sure that there's a diverse population at the um, C-suite level at some of your portfolio companies and at Pioneer Square Labs? Yes, I, I think um, we are we are very focused on that. And like all tech companies, we could do better and we should continue to to focus on that, I think. Uh, we're all missing out because uh, most of our companies are not as diverse as they uh, could be and should be. Mm -hmm. But but we really try to uh, fill our pipeline with uh, with diverse candidates. I know for Julie that's a big issue, and for me that's a big issue, and it's one that we'll continue to work on and and uh, and we need to continue to work on because yeah. I think you guys are yeah. doing great. I, think, I mean, you could always do better. So could everyone. Yeah. I think I think one of the things that's hard is early in a company's life, if you don't have a woman, for example, on an, sure. an engineering team, and all of a sudden you've got 10 engineers and all of them are male, and then you say, oh, now it's time to get diverse, yeah. that makes it harder. And so and you the really, woman comes in, she's like, I don't really need the kegerator. Early on, I think, think about that. And there are some yeah. companies like uh, Forrest Key at... Uh, Oh, you know, at um, Pixvana. Yeah. He really sort of focuses in on that and has from the very beginning. And he That's has, a, great. He has one of the most diverse him. teams because of the fact that he was thinking about that from the very beginning. Yeah. And so I think, again, when, when folks are starting out and building their 
their initial team, I think it it can't be sort of an afterthought. You have afterthought. to be deliberate. No, you, you have, have to, to be deliberate you and intentional about deliberate. it. Yeah. Given that you've done so much investing and, and you've gotten to meet so many entrepreneurs over the years, but haven't been an operator of a tech startup, if you were, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know who you'd put together as your dream team. Mm-hmm. But what role would you be in? Um, like if you were to walk into Rover and interview today, what would I interview where for? would you be? Head of talent and culture? <laughs> yeah, head <laughs> Recruiting? of talent and culture. Well, I, I think... I probably so I love product, yeah. Um, but I don't think they would hire me. Um, well, what well, are you most passionate about when you're like, you know, when it's your sweet spot? You're like this. No. I just get behind this product. I, I think certainly product and then sales. Those would be yeah. probably the two areas, and, and you know, sales slat and marketing. And so, yeah. um, I feel like you know, being able to tell a story well. I think one of the things that I'm that I'm pre- so maybe as it's interesting, no one's ever asked me this question. It's a oh, good, good question. Um, I, I think it, as I think about it, it may be sort of a, some type of, of marketing role, whether it's on the product or just sort of, you know, figuring out how to tell a story well, both to consumers uh, or businesses mm-hmm. and investors. I think I, I think I'm, I think after having done this for a long time, I, yeah. and I've also just, I, I really love telling stories. Yeah. Well, you're good Maybe at it. So yeah. if you were to give any entrepreneurs out there who were like, hey, I'd love to pitch you. Um, yeah. And I know that there's an opportunity for them to do that if they want to. But you know what you know. And it's like in your mind, you're like, well, of course. Mm. But we might not know. Pretend it's a you know mm. junior in college who's got an idea they want to call Greg Gottesman. Well, in terms of when you're telling your story, if we're focused on that, I love stories that are personal. Mm-hmm. And I like when like the Ruby story is personal. I love that. Right. I love it when entrepreneurs come in and they're talking about a personal experience they had and why something's important to them. And you can tell it's really important to them. And when when we come up with an idea, I'm and I'm telling a story, I'm looking for resonance. So one of the companies that we we're fortunate to have started at Pioneer Square Labs is this company Boundless. And this was an idea around making the immigration process mm. smoother and more accessible. And it's such an important company for right now for a lot of it, reasons. It's so relevant. But the I had been talking for, for years with this wonderful entrepreneur named Chow Wang, and he – uh, is an immigrant, and he has this incredible background. But when we started talking about immigration, uh, this was something that was very personal to him. So one of the myths, I think, is that it has to be the entrepreneur's idea. I'm not sure that it does, but I think if an idea is personally meaningful to an entrepreneur or a founder, I think that that I find that appealing because mm-hmm. – um, that resonates with me. I like to invest behind ideas that I find that have resonance for me. But what about if it is someone's idea and it's just like, hey, make sure that you have market, that, you've, that mm-hmm. you're solving a problem, that it's there's market fit, that there's yeah. repeat customers. Like I watch a lot of Shark Tanks like, <laughs> or who are you? Are you Mr. Wonderful? Like yeah. what is it that like I don't even bother unless you've got – or is it just passion? Well, no. I think – so you have to be solving a problem that's worth solving mm-hmm. and – most of the pitches that I hear, people are actually doing that. They're actually solving a problem. If they're if they're not solving a problem, it's not even worth talking to them. But most mm-hmm. people sort of are solving a problem. It also has to be a problem that people are worth 
you know, that's that's important enough that people are worth paying for the solution. Mm-hmm. And I think where a lot of companies fail is it's it's a problem that, for example, a lot of content plays mm-hmm. people. You know, again, it might be solving a problem, but no one's really willing to pay for the solution. Well, and also, like, and how are you going to even get the customers? Like, how are they going to find out about you? Correct. By the time they find mm-hmm. out about you, you've run out of money. Yeah. So I really dig into how much is it going to cost you to acquire a customer? Cost per, yeah. You know, how are you going to acquire a customer? What are the channels? And really dig into that. And then what's the value of those customers if you acquire them? Will they actually, you know, pay you? What What's the business model around that? So once you get past the problem and what the solution is, then you... You know, my next step is to really try to understand, okay, can we acquire these customers? How much is it going to cost? Uh, what are the what are the ways we're going to acquire them? And then what's the value of those customers? One of the things that I think at Pioneer Square Labs we've become very good at and and best in class at is using Facebook and Google and LinkedIn and all these different digital means to very quickly assess whether or not we can acquire customers at scale. Is there scale. an appetite for this? Yeah. Correct. And because we've tried hundreds of ideas, uh, we get very good at very quickly sussing That's out, right. you know, whether or not we can do it. And so, the, so we, of the ideas that we, you know, only one out of 10 ideas that we test, we actually then move forward on. And so we have gotten good at very quickly assessing that and then figuring out go to market and so typically we're not guessing whether or not there's a market for something when we start it. It doesn't mean it will be successful, but a lot of businesses fail because they sort of go and build a product before they really understand, is there a yeah. scalable customer like, acquisition? And that's, a, y- yes. that's key. I mean, that's like, don't listen to anything else but that. That's. Yeah. I mean, it seems obvious. Before you go and build product, yeah. so we do a lot of of yeah we're we're building a lot of we build sites and we do a lot of market testing well bef- nowadays it's easy it's easy we we build these fake sites we build these fake and yeah. we just see what customers see do see what happens and you can go so before you, you you write a line of code you can really actually figure that out and 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 you should and so that's what one of the areas that that we spend a lot of time working yeah. on. And it's do you really have fun. ideas? I mean I know you're Mr. Ideas. Do you have any ideas that you can't probably tell us on the podcast but <laughs> I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, was Boundless your idea? That was an idea that uh, that was really important to me. So I actually pitched that at one of our ideation sessions. Yeah, and same with Spare Five. That's now Mighty My AI. AI. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, there's great Rover. ideas. Yeah, and well, Rover. Yeah. I mean, that's I, your, I that's, your, that's many... a big special sauce. That you could be Mister <laughs> Ideas, Chief of Ideas. Well, I, I have had just as many that have. Have not well, that's worked okay. Out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll take those odds. That's fine. Um, <laughs> so outside of work, we could talk about, I mean, I was actually really curious mm-hmm. about your business and could talk to you about that forever. But I think a lot of people know you, but you're talking about spending time mostly in business and um, and with family. So let's talk about family for a second. So I am lucky enough to know your wife and three kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you're busy. You've got an event last night. You've got something. You've got a lot of people pulling at your time that want a piece mm-hmm. of you. So how do you prioritize your time? It's probably the biggest struggle that I that, that I face, and I think most people face this. I don't do a great job of prioritizing my time, and one of my flaws is that I do you say yes to too much. Well, I think a lot of people say yes to too much, but like if I if I'm not overwhelmed from a from a schedule standpoint, I almost feel like like off balance. Yeah, like I have to. So then yeah. I'll just I'll fill 
yeah. to the schedule, right? So if well, I now you have no excuses. Now you need to start coming to class. Pass with us. Right. That will fill right. your morning schedule. We'll start working out. Right. So I so I do just I I just I almost my wife says this is a an issue that I just I like the feeling of of being of having too many things to do. And, and is that like a deep like psychology? Like I just need to feel needed, or you genuinely probably, are an extrovert? No, I'm. I don't. I think it probably stems from, yeah, uh, from some psychosis. Yeah, that I started well, with mine because mine. Yeah. mine I, I'm the same way, and people are like I don't know how you do it. You're like mm. doing everything all the time, and mm-hmm. I'm like this energizes me. But yeah. then sometimes then I just shut down. Like I'll get yeah. sick. I think sometimes you can sacrifice, and I think I do sometimes sacrifice quality for quantity. And so yeah. I have a lot of respect for people that. Uh, that do it well. I, I am super lucky to have uh, uh, this uh, just the most incredible spouse who puts up with all my overscheduling and coming and missing dinners and being late and um, and just make and just never uh, holding she's, me accountable because <laughs> she was a she's not know, a complainer. No, she's not a complainer, and she was yeah. a lawyer for a while, so she gets the. The kind of the the hours the constraints, and, and yeah. the constraints, but she just yeah. makes it really easy. And and then as well, I and said also, before, I mean, it's also yeah. you know you've done well financially, but she actually doesn't even seem like it's a driver for her. No. She's just like loves you completely, and it's yeah. not like I mean, obviously you're a successful person. She married a successful person, but I mean, some of these investments and you've bet on some great companies that have done really really well. And it's like she's putting up with you, and it's not like oh, fine, but I'll just put up with it because I get to like live this great life. Like she's, I don't think she cares. She doesn't at care all about that stuff. No. Well, I know she's like yeah. a minimalist. Like I'm yeah. like I'd be shopping. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's she's great. And then I I do try to so I so work's really important to me, and I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. And then I do try to make sure the other thing that's really important to me is is the you know are the kids, and I do try to focus on on them. But then I'm sacrificing. You know, other things like like I as you, you and I used to play tennis and, and do a bunch of things. And so I'm not doing that maybe as much as I will one yeah, day. Apparently the, the men's night is supposed to be some like crazy debacle. You'd probably be the best one there. Is, <laughs> no, you should I go wouldn't. Thursday nights. I, I would. Um, so talking about your kids, how would they describe you? What three words would they use to describe you? Oh, goodness. It probably depends on which. Third. Which kid? <laughs> I think they would. I think I uh, I think they would say funny. Um, I think they would say, uh, that, um, uh, I am, I could be opinionated. So if I'm being you know, self-critical, I think they would definitely say that I'm, I have strong opinions and I think they would say that, um, I, I definitely am, am loving. I'm definitely like, I always want to give them hugs and much yeah. more than they want. Yeah. yeah especially nurturing. as teenagers. Yeah. yeah. And so... If you take your kids and then just said, okay, now put that into Pioneer Square Labs and I go meet with your team and say, mm-hmm. what words would you use to describe Greg? Three oh, gosh, words. I don't know. Would they translate? They'd probably say funny. I'm sure you're funny at work. Or are you <laughs> different Greg at work? No, I think they would say I've been that... with you at work. You're funny. Well, I, I, I think I don't take things so I, – I, one of the things I say a lot of times is that we're not – you know, not no one's life cancer, is on the yeah. line. We're not curing cancer. And so I think having a sense of humor is important. You might be important. with the dogs. Actually, right. There's studies. Well, yeah, I think people are so so we're not doing anything that's so important that um uh that we can't laugh about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so funny, what else would they say? 
I think they would say that I am. Uh, well, it's interesting because I'm not sure. You'd have to ask them. I don't know. I, I, might, I definitely. I might. I'll bring in Julie. <laughs> ask Julie what she would say. Um, I think they would say that I'm generous with my yeah. time. I've just never yeah. heard anybody say anything but great things about you. Seriously. I mean, no, not only I'm like going around and surveying. More, more people. <laughs> I'll talk to, to your kids when you like. Yeah. Well, I try to be, you know, I think my kids would probably say nice things, but. Um, your yeah. your son, I spoke to him for a really long time at um, Sydney's graduation, and he was so sweet and mm-hmm. um, had an incredible Zach. I mean, he just had the nicest things to say. I was like tearing up. I felt like <laughs> I felt like I was like, oh, I mean, it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, that's Shannon. Yeah. Well, so, you know, we've talked a lot about. You kind of the generous, loving, but I also think you've got a side to you, you know, you're a fierce competitor. Mm-hmm. And so on the ping pong table, especially, <laughs> right? I haven't played you in a really long time, but I get my ass whooped. Would you say that you hate to lose or love to win? Hate to lose. I, I think a weakness that I have is that I do, if I, if I don't win, I I constantly reassess. You're like picking yourself apart for it. Correct. The best Greg would be a forward-looking Greg, and a lot of times I'm a backwards-looking Greg, and yeah. I think that that's that's a. The best Greg would be a present Greg. Right. <laughs> just well, kidding. I mean, I just think when I'm doing, I don't. Yeah, I shouldn't be talking about myself in the third person. That's that's annoying. No, that's but um, uh, the, when I'm being my best self, I think I'm more forward-looking, but yeah. I do tend to. Uh, look backwards sometimes. And actually, you were talking. So one of the things that uh, I can't actually, it was Matt Benke, who's mm. this wonderful. Um, yeah, my friend Grant Reese. People I just really, yeah. I loved really Matt. stepped in for him. I mean, people just I, I never yeah. got to meet him. He was a client, but I never physically met him in yeah. person. And I cannot believe I mean, the strength of that family and those friends. Oh, yeah. And he was one of these amazing people. But he the founder of Spare Five founder. Yeah. So he, I, I hired him to run Spare Five and then it became Mighty AI. And he really grew that company into something very special. And he was a very amazing person on so many levels. But he convinced me uh, that I should uh, start trying to ride my bike into work more. And oh, so well, that was really that was really Matt. You and did. I, and when I when I ride in, I uh, I often think about him. But one of the things that, that that's been nice about that is really just to give yourself just a moment to. And I don't. I ride just when it's to be sunny. Present. Just to just think about take things, it in. Yeah. take it in. and Today especially. I yeah. took pictures of leaves today. I'm like, what's mm-hmm. happening? I'm like yeah. turning into that person. But it's I that I try to look beautiful. forward during those rides as opposed to backwards. But I sometimes catching myself, you know, thinking about things I could have done better instead of really thinking Interesting. forward. And then I, I and then I try to, you know. I'm always yeah. forward thinking, but yeah. in a, a slightly neurotic way, mm-hmm. similarly, probably. I could probably stand to look back a little bit more. Um, so the fact that I have the opportunity and privilege to know your family so well, I'm curious to know which attributes are your are Gloria and which are Jim. And then mm-hmm. we won't dig so deep on the family stuff because <laughs> you might feel like you need to lay down for this part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, I mean, they're both funny as can be. Yeah. My dad is is definitely my role model and, and um, I have a. He's an amazing person, much, you know, much smarter and more. uh, I still aspire to honestly to be more like him. He's very generous with his time. He was a surgeon 
And gosh, I, 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 you know, what are the things that I do like him? I mean, I don't think I do. I mean, honestly, I don't think I do enough things like him, but I definitely think some of the, um, uh, you know, some of the sort of more quantitative and analytical sides, I think, come from from my dad. Um, and my mom is a great salesperson. <laughs> you know, she's just Gloria. a yeah, she's a she's Gloria. just a, a force of nature, and um, and I'm super lucky to have a mom like her because she really. Um, the other thing, she was always family first, you know, and you know, for my brothers and. And I and and I try to to be that way for my kids. If, so we always felt, you know, that she we knew that she really loved us, mm-hmm. and that gave us, I think, a lot of ability to go and take chances. And so yeah. that's, you know, I hope I I hope that I can give that to so my the, kids. So the a attributes bit. you've gotten from them would be a lot of good ones. I mean, those are good mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. So definitely uh, more of the 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 quantitative side from my father yeah. more of the qualitative I see both. stuff. From, I mean, I yeah. see both. That's what in your looks from and my... your mannerisms, you're all kind of like the same. It's like one big goddess been like mishmash. And then mm-hmm. so talking about back to Matt, um, mm-hmm. what a legacy. I mean, we're not old, but we're not, you know, 20 anymore. And so mm-hmm. as we get older and it's like divorce and rehab and mm-hmm. death and crazy, sad things that are happening. Mm-hmm. I think um, maybe you're not thinking about this kind of stuff, but I sometimes try to think about big picture things like what's the legacy that mm-hmm. I want to leave? Well, I've been fortunate to be a part of starting a lot of things in this community, you know, uh, and being a part of sort of the, the founding of, you know, a lot of whether it's Madrona or Madrona Labs, Pioneer Square Labs, um, Pioneer Square Ventures, Rover. All the companies. You know, all these companies. And so to me, that's a crazy privilege that, that frankly, you know, 20 years ago wouldn't have been possible. You know, thank you to Amazon Web Services and all these tools and, and software that makes the kinds of things that right. you and I are lucky enough to to you know, be a part of these fast growing companies possible. And so, um, yeah, I, I hope people, uh, would think that, um, I, that's a unique thing that I think I can do is I can well, that's huge. bring I mean, people that's together big. to start stuff and, um, and then leverage some of the great stuff that other people are doing. And so if I can keep doing that for a little while, that, that, that would be really fun. Um, I I'm lucky that people pay of, me to do that. Yeah, I would do it for huge. free. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of also, I think people would probably say, and you might not even know them, to be like, oh, I don't know if you remember this, but like 15 years ago, you had coffee with me and you like yeah. helped me really think through and I pivoted my whole career. And now I'm, mm-hmm. I bet you there's a lot of stories out there of the people mm-hmm. that you've mentored Some without people, even realizing that you were yeah, mentoring them. You yeah. might have just given them a nugget of like. Some people come to me and they'll say that sometimes and that feels really. That's got to really, be rewarding. That is really rewarding. Or someone who took one of my classes at the University of Washington will come and and um, and say something. I, you know, one great story is I uh, I taught uh, this one woman who's from Saudi Arabia actually, and she was so she pitched this business of a think of a Keurig for uh, mm. Arabic coffee. Oh, which is a different type of of, Stronger. of coffee. Yeah, and. She went back to Saudi Arabia and started this. So she just did this for oh, the class. Cool. And then she ended up going back to Saudi Arabia to to start this company. 
anyway, long story short, she comes back, you know, years later and says, um, yeah, it's become quite a successful company. And Saudi Arabia had put her on a tour of the world as an example of women entrepreneurs. Obviously, they were oh, using that cool. of women entrepreneurs who had started these businesses. And she's met with me. She's like, Greg, I can't drive, but I have like. I can't remember what she said, 80 men working for me or something oh, like good that. Good for her. And I just, that was a really rewarding. Well, of course. Rewarding experience just to uh, have played a, a, a small role in helping her to, um, you know, forcing her basically to come up with an idea for this class. And then it turned into a, a really cool business yeah. somewhere far away. That was kind of a fun. Yeah, that's super uh, of cool. A fun thing that. Uh, that not many people get a chance to feel like they had a small influence yeah, on. Yeah, I love that. For those of you listening, I want you to know that Pioneer Square Labs has a really cool website, and <laughs> they've got very interesting opportunities. And so mm -hmm. if you want to follow them, it's psl.com, pioneersquarelabs.com. Yeah, so uh, you can think of it as pumpkin spice latte, but... Uh, oh, I like pumpkin spice. <laughs> those are fattening. We shouldn't be having those. All right, we shouldn't be having them. Yeah, but psl.com. <laughs> those are like 700 yeah. calories. And um, one thing I, I will say is like, I, I do love... Um, also, I'm at greg at, at psl.com and um, love to talk with entrepreneurs. And and uh, if I can be helpful, uh, you know, sometimes I could be helpful over email. Um, you know, I, I like to try to do that. I think Seattle is... This isn't going to help with your time management, by the way. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. It's very generous. Well, I think Seattle is... I'm really excited about the next 10 years for yeah. Seattle. Um, we're so fortunate to be in this city at this time. I mean, we just happened to yeah. be born here. Yeah, we're really lucky. What if we, if we were born in like somewhere else in the United Oklahoma. States? Right. I think it would just be... I think we'd be living much different lives and I'm not sure we would have all this the privileges but being in Seattle at this time I agree gosh how lucky are we and that we both moved back right I mean, kind of random but kind of cool there's so much great stuff happening that the we're one of the the sort of the hubs for great engineering talent oh yeah and engineering talent I think is the core of a lot of these great startups, and then you put that with sort of emerging business talent to go along with that. And so obviously there's Silicon Valley, but if you could choose one place in the world to sort of start a company now, um, gosh, I, I Seattle, I mean, in the world, I think yeah. Seattle uh, is where I would start a company. I'm not just saying that because we're here. I just think there's just... There's just all these great engineers, and I think people are are good to each other. Yeah, well, there's um, a community, which and is and there's nice. a community, and I just feel very helpful. So lucky. Yeah. Um, and then you drive across the the bridge, and you look out over the mountains. I mean, we're really lucky yeah. to be in this the water, community the right mountains, now. Yeah. All of it. I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah. Amen. Go Seattle. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You. 